0: Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns.
1: Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: This is it. The
0: time has come.
3: Saturday night's all right for fighting. <laughs>
4: Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall. you better than that on Talk Sport. Welcome to the Fight Night podcast from Talk Sport. If this is the first time you've ever come across us, make sure you hit subscribe on iTunes or if you need an Android feed, visit the Talksport website. There's loads of boxing and MMA content that we dish out on a week-by-week basis. And you can hear it here all via the podcast in case you missed the live show, which is always happening every single Saturday night on Talk Sport. Now, the weekend just gone was a little bit eventful. <laughs> it was the uh, cherry on top of the cake of Fight Camp, the fourth installment uh, of fights from Eddie Hearn's Back Garden. The heavyweight contest between Dillian White and Alexander Povetkin was the main event. If you don't know the result, and I'm sure you do by now because the result of that fight went round the world within seconds, here is our instant reaction during the fight. Bear in mind, we're doing a radio program talking about several things going on from the world of boxing. The monitors are on in the background of Dillian White, Alexander Povetkin as the end of the fifth round. Speaking of heavyweights, just want to give you a little bit of an update. They've entered the fifth round at uh, Matchroom Square Garden between Dillian White and Alexander Povetkin. And in the fourth round, Dillian White had Povetkin down twice. Caught him. um, You think it was with a... Oh! Dillian White's been knocked out. Wow. Dillian White has been knocked out by Alexander Povetkin. And I mean out. Wow. After that sensational fourth round, I didn't see that coming. Oh, my days. Oh, my days. Alexander Povetkin has just knocked out Dillian White. In the fourth round, Dillian had Povetkin down twice, rocked him, he had him in a right mess. And then all of a sudden, in the fifth round, Povetkin's come up and he's landed an uppercut, that which is white. It's white, Dillian White clean out. He looks Wow. Like, is he up? Is he sat down? Is he there?
5: He looks like he's sat down. Oh,
4: my days. That's... I did not see that coming. After the did fourth, me? after the fourth round, there was no way that that was on the cards. But this is heavyweight boxing, ladies and gentlemen, and Pervezikin has landed shot. a massive left uppercut on the whiskers of Dillian White, wow. and he has been cleaned out. We will keep you up to date. Wow, with that and the developments—that's our question for the of night. That. Gone out the window, is it? Jeez, man, what a There's shot! There's no that more was. talk
5: of Dillian White fighting Fury, or.
4: We'll come back to the UFC in a minute. There's no point in going on with the UFC. Boys, we'll come back to uh, the Stephen Miocic and DC uh, chat in a moment or two. But that has just put a massive, massive... We said it was high risk. Yes. We said at the start of the night, this was high risk. Povetkin, Kinyet, yeah, he is over the hill. Yeah. He, ha- he He's done it, been there, seen it, got the T-shirt. And maybe if Dillian White comes through this, you look at it and you go to yourself, listen, he's over the hill and he's a 40-odd-year-old fella that he's just knocked out. But Dillian White, he's up on his feet there. He d- He's, uh, Dave Caldwell is Don't. obviously just tending to him at this moment in time and he's just uh, touching gloves with uh, Alexander Perveille uh, he doesn't, know per- what is he doesn't. He's, out. he's absolutely in a different world right now but that again we said this was risky we said this fight risked everything that Dillian White had worked for over the last two to three years and now it's gone yeah, and you know what, we've had four
5: weeks of, of Eddie's back garden, and one criticism I had is that it felt like the match room corners won every fight, we've not seen an upset yet in, in the back garden, and I just didn't expect it to happen in that kind of fashion, you know, could I see Povetkin winning? Absolutely, it was a close fight, but I thought if he did win it would be very late on, and I thought... Early on, it was all Dillian White. Dillian White was the danger man. And then in the fourth round, we've seen it. We've seen him drop Pavekin twice. And we thought, right, that's the momentum shift he needed. Dillian's going to put his foot down now. But Pavekin, come out in that fifth round, and what a shot to finish the fight. Oh. That left uppercut. He catches him with a little left hook first, just moves around him. And as Dillian White brings his guard up, that he comes straight back with a left uppercut. And Dillian White was out
4: cold. Just look, just what on the replay there, he does this quite a lot, does Perfection, right? He dips on his left, on his, from a technical point of view, he dips on his left leg, yeah. right? And you see Canelo do this a lot. You dip on that left leg, Canelo vary, varies the shot that comes in. He either puts a little left choppy one to the body there, which which seems to be the obvious shot. But as Dillian White brings his guard down to protect the body, he, he just leaves a gap in the middle, doesn't he? Of which Povetkin, I mean, you look at his eyes there, he sees it. Yeah. He's not, just, he's not just gone robotic and thrown that. He has seen Dillian White's movement and thrown an, an unbelievable left uppercut from the gods and knocked him clean out. Wow. Absolutely mowed him out. That is one hugely expensive knockout and in terms of Dillian
5: White you know the guy was a thousand days top contender with the WBC and now forget about it forget about your world title ambitions for at least another two years because of the the way the division's set up you know because you forget about him getting on the picture now with AJ versus Fury and as long as obviously we talked about it earlier those guys come through we're going to get AJ Fury now in the, at the early part of 2021, but you better believe, regardless of what happens in AJ Fury one, there will be a second fight and maybe even a third fight, which means they're going to lock down the heavyweight division for the whole of 2021 and maybe into 2022. So Dillian White has got to try and rebuild and work around that time scale as well. I think his world title ambitions now probably lie in tatters on the canvas.
4: Alexander Povetkin. You know what we think of him. We've we've spoken about it on this show on many occasions in the past. The guy that has failed performance-enhancing drug tests on two separate occasions, uh, so obviously served bans off the back of that. Um, but of recent times, keeps getting work, and uh, it was always going to be. It was all there was always going to be a moment with Pavetkin, weren't there? There was always going to be a moment. Yep. I'll be honest. I didn't think it was going to come tonight. I thought he was over the hill. I didn't think. If Dillian White gets three, four rounds, which he most certainly did tonight, and he dropped Povetkin on two occasions in the fourth round, I thought that Dillian White would get this done later on. But that is an unbelievable shot and just shows that in the heavyweight division, there are no guarantees, there are no knockouts, and one shot like that can change uh, the fortunes of someone's career. Now Alexander Povetkin, a man that has been there, done it, got the T-shirt, obviously fallen short against Klitschko, yep. fallen short against Anthony Joshua, He's now going to get another crack at the title because he now becomes the interim WBC heavyweight champion for what that's worth, even though the heavyweight champion is currently active. Uh, And he is now the mandatory challenger to Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder three. the winner of that. According to Maurizio Sullivan, let's see how uh, forthright he is in coming. Well, We are Uh, talking about the president of the WBC
5: and he does make it up as he goes along, let's be honest.
4: And he probably will make it up as he goes along with this one because um, Povetkin isn't the guy that has been over a thousand days uh, number one with the WBC. But as he said this week, Povetkin now will be the mandatory challenger for... uh, for that fight. Yeah, in theory and you know, it's not like it was a a close points decision
5: or anything, that was a conclusive knockout, you know Dillian White has just been absolutely laid out on the canvas and you know, WBC now have got to try and have got to try and back up those words, but there won't be any call for that now. There won't be any call. Nobody wants to see Fiori versus Pavlikan unless you unless you've got a Russian passport. Now the narrative continues that we get that all British fight between AJ and Fiori, but you better believe this is a disaster for Matchroom. It's absolutely potential career ender for Dillian White just because that road back to a world title would be so long and so hard for Dillian to get onto now and. We've talked about this in the past. How much will he now be kicking himself that last June he didn't take that fight against AJ for, for, the, for the three belts at Wembley Stadium?
4: I'm just looking at the TV there. Uh, was, Anthony, was Anthony Joshua gone? Because he, he is part of, obviously, the broadcast uh, team tonight. Alexander Povetkin's making his way, I think, towards uh, an interview so to maybe go and have a bit of a chat with the, uh, the television cameras. Even though his English isn't that great, he will have an interpreter uh, on that. And I'm sure they will speak to him. But I was just seeing Anthony Joshua, who's part of the commentary team tonight. He was shaking his head and walking away. It's going to be interesting. The fallout of this is going to be interesting. I'm desperate to get on social media to see where the Gypsy King is right now. And just to see uh, what his thought process is. because He'll let us know,
5: that's for sure. Because Dillian had a pop at Tyson Fury, didn't he, in the build-up to this fight. And you know he was kind of highlighting you've got nowhere to hide. Well, he hasn't got to hide anymore because Dillian White's
4: face is no longer in the picture. High risk, very high risk. And that is elite level sport in a, in, a, in a moment there. And I'm sure as you're listening to this, you're probably checking your Instagram and your, uh, your Twitter feeds. And I'm sure that knockout is reverberating around the world. And this kind of backs up what I was saying earlier on about three minute rounds. Yeah, right. Um, Once again,
5: Pursun versus Taylor, what another great fight has been overshadowed by a
4: sensational upset. Uh, Alexander Povetkin is just uh, obviously speaking uh, to the television broadcasters at the moment via an interpreter. It'll be interesting to see what his thought processes uh, are off the back of this fight because in the fourth round, he looked in an awful lot of trouble, got <laughs> clipped on the temple, he went down. He got clipped with a fantastic uppercut, went down. Maybe Dillian White just thought to himself, i got it. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought this geezer were going to give me a rough night. This is a cruise, man. I'm absolutely cruising this and he takes his eye off the ball for just one split second and gets clipped. I mean, let's be honest. The finish is outstanding. Yeah, you can't argue with the finish. Despite what we think of Alexander Povetkin uh, and his antics outside of the ring and how he's managed to get himself to this point, that finish is elite level fighting.
5: It is absolutely elite level fighting. And just looking there, he's got the WBC diamond belt on his shoulder, which has got a, a Union Jack stapled on it at the moment. I'm pretty sure that flag's going to get changed sometime soon. But yeah, listen, this is the risk you take, you know. And you know, we we've commented about Eddie using Alexander Pavecki and his background and his serial drug cheat and why is he getting opportunities on big shows and everything else. And it feels a little bit like it's blew up in everybody's face now because you've, you you have give this guy a platform, you've give this guy a stage and you've tried to use him as a final stepping stone to really push forward the Dillian White versus Tyson Fury fight. And as we said, high risk, big absolutely low reward in terms of what could potentially happen and as we've, we've just seen the replay again that knockout will be shown forever more that will unfortunately and it kills me to say this because Dillian White as a guy I really like Dillian White yep, I love the way guy. he's come back from what he's come back from so much adversity so much criticism to get to this position he's been more patient than anybody he deserved his world title fight a long time ago but unfortunately Adam that punch is going to define Dillian White's career
4: uh, as you can tell, a bit of shock in our voice um, as uh, Alexander Povetkin landed that sensational left uppercut to knock out Dillian White in the fifth round. And within moments, we managed to get our good buddy in crime, Gareth A. Davis, who was in the garden at the time of the knockout to get his thoughts.
1: Dillian White was easing himself into the fight, not taking too many risks, was hurting Povetkin to the body. It was a huge, risky gamble of a fight from, from Dillian, uh, you know, as the interim World Boxing Council uh, title holder. You know he had the fights potentially with Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder. You know up next, but you know Povetkin's dangerous. And it, it, it's the punch you don't see coming is the one knocked you out and knocks you out. And you know it was an amazing uppercut up the middle. And and probably in desperation from Povetkin in many ways because as you say he was down twice in the round before. But Dillian went down and was out. Period. Cold period I and mean, there was concern ringside i mean there was a stunned silence here i mean there's only 80 people here at ringside but it really was a stunned silence there's a great deal of shock here right now and um you know it's, it's it, i think most people and i see it on social media most people are really feeling it for, for dillian white and you both will be as well because he's taken the gamble um he's put himself on the line you know it, it's the biggest event we've had in lockdown so far and and it's and it's backfired against him and and as you both know probably winning the fight quite handily up to that point he look
4: he looks so comfortable i yeah. mean he looked in first of all he looks in great shape he, I, I, we listened to obviously your chat with him earlier on this week he was talking brilliantly the way that he addressed the the opening moments of the fight brilliant and then he gets He gets what he deserves in the fourth round. And I thought he was going to go and cruise the fight, Gareth. But this is heavyweight boxing, as you rightfully said. And he'd only takes one shot to change the momentum of the fight. And what a shot it was. It's not a fluke or or anything. I mean, we're talking about a seasoned pro. A guy that knows what he's doing. And he's thrown an absolute world-class uppercut to knock him out.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's rescued his career. He'll probably get the fight with Tyson Fury now. Because Fury will look at him and think, yeah, Dillian jabbed his head off. I'll be able to jab his head off. And in many ways, Dillian was outboxing the, 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 this esteemed guy with an amazing amateur pedigree. And I think, you know, the one thing I'd say is, being here in person, there was a slight feeling that I thought for the first two rounds, Dillian looked physically cold. It's very been very chilly up here tonight. And obviously we've been training in Portugal. I thought it took him till the end of the second to get physically warm uh, for this contest. But you know, what does he do from here? You know, he's waited a thousand days to fight for the World Boxing Council title. I know you guys have shouted for him for months and months. I have myself. And poetic justice has not been done tonight, unfortunately. But this is the problem in the heavyweight division. One big punch can change it all, and it has tonight.
5: Well, I think Eddie's just, just mentioned it on Sky Day, Gareth, and I, I agree with him. Dillian White needs to have a rematch, regardless of what's just happened, regardless of how chilling and spectacular that knockout was. Dillian White has got to get back in with Pavekin next. He's got to. Otherwise, all that work he's done, all a 1,000 days of waiting for the title has gone out of the window. And I think, ideally, the the best thing is kind of happening right now, and that is we are waiting for Fury to defend that belt against Deontay Wilder, which means that Pavekin you know, isn't necessarily going to sit on the shelf. And I think, you know, it's probably contracted that there's a potential rematch clause in there because of the manner of the way Dillian White took this fight when he didn't have to take this fight. So I think we'll probably get this as a rematch, hopefully before the end of the year as well. But in terms of Dillian White, that's a must, isn't it, Gareth? He's got to get back in with Pavekin.
1: Well, I mean, if that's, if that's allowable, and I think if the WBC um, back that, given the amount of time he's been told he's, he's had to wait. And I mean, it's... It, it's not, it's not poetic justice for him not to get the rematch. I completely agree with you. I'm sure Eddie Hearn will be, you know, twisting all his broom handles to make things happen, you know. Mm-hmm. That's an analogy that works because um, he's not a witch. Um, but the, the, the thing is, it, you know, you, you just, you feel the adrenaline dump here tonight. Everything's gone quiet here. People are in shock yeah. because everything was going to plan, like you say. I sat in his Winnebago with him in the back, at the back of the hotel this week. Never seen him look so good physically. 18 stone dead, wasn't he? And he, he looked fantastic. 18 stone, six ounces. He had the best camp of his life. You know, I wonder whether, you know, um, he, he, I felt when I was sitting ringside, I was actually shouting, forget about boxing him, just put it on him. Because I felt that Dillian, I, I didn't want him to try and outbox Pavetkin for too long and let Pavetkin get a rhythm. That was my view. I mean, I'm not a part of this, but the, I felt that if Dillian imposed himself on Pavetkin as he was in the fourth round, yeah. he would have dominated. He was every short punch to the, to the body of Pavetkin. You could see him staggering back or hurt to your ringside. Um, and, and, exactly. and the jab was good as well. Mm. So uh, I'm in shock myself. It, it's a very difficult one. It'll be, it'll, it'll be a very, very tough few days. For Dillian White now, and I mean, mm. well, we haven't seen Eddie Hearn yet because, um, as I say, doing the Sky interviews. But if he can manufacture the rematch with Alexander Povetkin in lockdown and uh, get them at the Albert Hall or someone like that, or someone like that with a small crowd to fight, then I think we'd see some justice.
4: I know uh, Anthony Joshua's in the garden as well. It'd be great if you could grab him and uh, get get a, get his two cents worth off the off the back of that as well, Gareth. But regarding regarding Dillian's attitude, and he, yes, of course. The boxing Twitter community can be a very cruel place to live. And I'm sure that that knockout will reverberate around the world. It'll be all over social media and he'll be reminded and tagged in that video for some time to come. But he's got to take a lot of credit as Dillian as well. The attitude of actually getting into this fight tonight where he knows it's high risk. His mandatory situation was sorted for him to take a fight like this where it's probably for less money. There's no fans in there. It is massive risky business for him to do this at this time for our entertainment. He's got to take a bit of credit away from that as well.
1: I don't think, Adam, that, that Dillian White will... Yeah, as, you, as you know, yeah, like you say, the, the, the memes go out there of, of people's misfortune, but I don't think there's anyone in the boxing world, or Dillian's become a bit of a, a cult figure outside boxing as well. I don't think anyone will be chomping at the bit to, to try and chop him down anymore um, over the next couple of weeks. I think people do realise that here's a guy that has taken all the risks he's... He's taken a gamble. He's put it all on the line. And, and you can't fault him. Um, he said he knew it was risky. They knew it was a 50-50 fight, or at least a 50-50 fight for the first five rounds. They felt he would impose himself on Povetkin late in the fight. I don't see any issue. And you know what? He'll be water off a duck's back to Dillian. He'll, he'll dust himself down. He, he told me earlier this week he's been a risk-taker all his life. He's been a risk-taker since he was a little kid and didn't have food to, to, to survive on some days when he's growing up in Kingston, Jamaica. He'll be back. He's a warrior. He'll, he'll dust himself down from this. He's not going to feel great, nor his team. Um, who knows? We might even see him co-opt back to be with Mark Tibbs again, which I'd like to see him work together with again. And, uh, you know, he'll, he'll be back. There's no doubt about it. We still want to see Dillian White against Anthony Joshua again. I'd like to see Dillian White against Tyson Fury at some point as well. And Deontay Wilder. He's, he's, he's got plenty of fights left because he's a box office name. What
4: does that then do now uh, for the development of this heavyweight division? Because we were were all led to believe that he comes through this tonight, he moves on to get Wilder Fury 3 the winner. That's the position that was being set up by Maurizio Sullivan of the WBC. Obviously, that's not the case now. That position will go to Povetkin. Do you think Matchroom and and obviously the guys at... Queensbury and Top Rank will work now together, hopefully, in order to get us the super fight that we want, Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua?
1: Well, that'll all depend on the talks of Mauricio Suleiman, as you say, and, and and the World Boxing Council, um, you know, vis-a-vis Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren's stroke Bob Arum as well, with regards to Tyson Fury. I mean, we all know what we'd like to happen, is either Povetkin, maybe Povetkin and, uh, and Dillian White fight again. That Movement forward is held in abeyance for them to fight for the world title and they just hold on to the interim and we get um, a fight with Tyson Fury, you know, by the end of the year or early next year with Deontay Wilder. And then they move straight on to the, the undisputed title with, um, with, with the winner of Anthony Joshua and Kubat Pulov, which we're being told will all be at the end of the year as well. The trouble is with all this, we don't actually know because we don't know if they'll stage these fights behind closed doors or with 2,000 people paying grandiose amounts of money for tickets. But ideally, that's what we want to happen now in that sequence I just said. And then Fury and Wilder um, fight late or middle to late summer next year and then once again at the end of the year. So I'm Sorry, Fury and Joshua, rather, yeah. late summer and then towards the end of the year. That's what Eddie's telling me. That's what Frank Warren tells me. It's whether they can get this done or not, you know. Um, but the truth is, at the moment, in in these COVID-19 times, we don't actually know. I mean, we can speak about ideals all the time, but um, you know, I feel I'm in an adrenaline dump right now with with Dillian losing like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's heavyweight boxing for you, isn't it? It's about it knockouts. Is. End it, of. It's about it knockouts. Is.
4: plushcare.com slash weight loss. So there you go. Um another bump in the road for Dillian White, but as Gareth A. Davis said there, he will be back. It's in his character to dust himself off and to try and climb that mountain once again. It won't be the last time you've heard from him. Going to be interesting to see now how that heavyweight landscape all plays out. Moving away from the heavyweights and into the lesser weight categories, the featherweight champion who holds the WBC belt is Gary Russell Jr. I've never spoken to him before, I've just been a big fan, and admirer of what he does inside the ring. I caught up with him during the week and he gave me one of the most compelling conversations I've had with a fighter for a long time. To the extent where he was calling out fighters in weight categories four divisions above him. And that's where we'll start with the animosity between him and Terence Crawford.
2: It it wasn't even a thing of animosity, you know. um, It started along, I believe I was about 18 years old. It was at the Olympic Training Centre. And we were all elite fighters. It was at some camp. I don't remember exactly what camp it was. And, you know, Terence was sparring. And he, he was sparring with a guy that was pretty good and the guy got the better of the spawn, you know, and Terrence, he got out the ring, he was mad, he was upset that the, they, they stopped the spawn, and the guy got the better of him, and the guy was kind of making fun of it at the same time, and it, Terrence gets out of the ring, and I already had spawned, so I'm like taking my gloves off and kind of like unwrapping my hands, and he's like across the room from me, but I see him make eye contact with me, he was like, man, what you think about our spawn? He was running like a Right. I say, well, you were definitely more aggressive, but he was moving with a purpose. He was landing the cleaner and more effective shots. You know, he was moving with a purpose. He didn't like my response. So then now he we're, you got to be, be mindful that we're in a room full of, at the time, elite mm. amateur fighters. Everyone in this room was either the number one or from number five on up. We were the best of the best, you know? And now you have this guy that's approaching me very aggressively, you know? He's yelling and, and and frowning his face and everything else. And now when he gets within range, am I supposed to wait for him to hit me or something? I mean, what normally happens before punches get thrown? In most cases, a lot of yelling and everything else. He was the one doing all the yelling and, and, and approaching me. If someone is within your circumference or within your space, they need to make it clear that they're not a threat. Charles Crawford did not make it clear that he wasn't a threat. So I popped him. I punched him in the face and he did not respond. He did not punch back or anything. And this happened a long time ago. Yeah. I was never a guy, I had morals, I have principles, you know, and I was never a guy to just go and just throw it out there or blurt it out just to the masses, to the public. But someone who didn't who wasn't fond of Todd of uh Terrence Crawford a guy Todd I can't think of his last name he passed now and he put the story out he put it out there he was like well they asked him about Terrence Crawford and Matisse a couple years back and he was like well I'm not a fan of uh Terrence Crawford you know he got he you see he got wobbled when he fought Gamboa and then when I don't want to put all this business out there, but him and Gary Russell got into a scuffle in the amateurs. And I think that chin problem would, you know, haunt him for the rest of his career. So it was an old rumor that was going on. I had broke Terrence Crawford's jaw, you know, and that was never the case. And when I did an interview with Barbershop Conversations, he just he came out and asked, he's like, hey, well, what do you think? You know, is it, we want to know, is it true? Is it a rumor? Is it fact? Is it fiction that you broke Tar's jaw? So I laughed. I mean, I laughed it off. I'm like, well, I don't know about that. He was like, oh, so it's not true? I said, well, he definitely got punched in the face. But I don't know about him having a broken jaw. You know, <laughs> I don't know about his jaw being broke. And that's what everything transpired from. Okay. You know, everything came from that particular interview. Um, I believe that I'm a fighter with exceptional skills man my skill set is second to none I believe that I have the, the, the skill set and the ability to fluctuate and move up down and weight Turns Crawford he responded by saying I sucker punched him and everything else it was never a sucker punch how is there possibly a sucker punch when you were the aggressor and you t- approached me and I'm looking you face to face and then I hit you yeah but that's a sucker punch it doesn't work that way
4: so talk to me about the so, call out then Talk to you about the call out because you are currently the WBC featherweight champion of the world, right? right. Four divisions above. He is That's the right. WBO welterweight champion of the world. Correct. But you on social media this week, I saw you speaking to your advisor, Al Herman. You're ready to rock right.
2: and roll. I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm ready to rock and roll. Um, I'm a real fighter. I'm a real fighter. I, I, I I do believe in weight classes and weight divisions I, I campaign and I and I run the weight division that I'm in. I'm the longest reigning champion that there is in the sport of boxing today. But I'm a real fighter. I'm a gladiator. I'm a warrior. These guys are boxers. It's a difference. If Terrence Crawford feel like I snuck him, let's show the fans what really would have happened if you would have attempted to fight back. Let's just make it happen. Let's do it in front of everybody.
4: You're getting me excited, there, Gary. You're getting me excited. What would, what weight could you do that?
2: I will. I will campaign at 147. Whoa. I will campaign at 147. I don't want to. I don't want to take away from my glory. I don't want to take away from my glory. You know what I'm saying? I mean, a lot of these guys moved up in weight. Manny Pacquiao moved up from what weight, weight division? He just did it in. He did it in increments. Yeah. You know, I, I I'm trying to do it in a in one single bounce. I'm trying to do something amazing. It's never been a fighter in, in the sport to jump forward to forward weight divisions. I'm trying to be the one to attempt to do, to, to make that happen. You do you know, think? It, um, do you
4: think it will happen? Do you think he'll take it? Because let's be honest, if, if we look at where you know, he's at right now, he's honest- in a, he's in a weird situation, isn't he? Well, weight because he can't get the big fights for some reason because he's at top rank and he's not connected and what have you. So, do you think that this I mean, legitimately just, could happen?
2: Saying, realistically, I think it could happen. I think it could happen. He's he don't got no fights. He don't got nobody to fight. He don't have a dancing partner. He has no one on his resume. My resume, my resume is better than Terrence Crawford's resume. Let's let's look. Let's let's we can go down the list. The only person that you can give Terrence Crawford that was a, a honestly a legitimate fighter was a Yo-Yo Kings that came off a two-year layoff. Mm-hmm. Whereas though me on the other hand, I mean I fought. I fought uh, a Vasily Lomachenko. He fought, and, and Vasily Lomachenko fought a dehydrated version of Mr. Gary Russell Jr. He didn't fight Mr. Gary Russell Jr. at his best. If we fight 100 times, I would beat his ass 99. He didn't fight Mr. Gary Russell Jr. at his best. You know, I I, I took the title from Johnny Gonzalez. And I beat Jojo Diaz, who went on to become a world champion by beating Tevin Farmer, that realistically speaking, Javante Tank Davis avoided. Javante Tank Davis avoided him.
4: You've just mentioned a couple of names there, man. That I know that you're keen on fighting. But for example, Leo Santa Cruz is already mo- matched up with Javante. What happened there? Because for for a long period of time,
2: man, they some you, suckers. That's what happened. You were they saying his name, man. It,
4: it was not like that. You did not want the Leo Santa Cruz fight. So what happened in that period for us not to get it? Because it seemed the most logical thing to do.
2: They were scared. They were scared. That's what it is. That's what happened. I see the fear in these guys. I see the fear in these guys. Is they 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 fighting each other to stay away from me.
4: Is that why you're talking about moving up? Because do you see I'm any talking, challenges okay. for? Is, do you see any challenges for you at featherweight? I mean, obviously, I'm talking to you now from Britain. We've got a British featherweight there in Josh Warrington. Is that a fight that interests you? The IBF champion. He
2: channel. don't want to fight me. He don't want to fight. Me. He don't you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm I'm one of those people that I, I like to I like to go and, and travel and meet different ethnic groups to to broaden my horizon and understand the people, mm-hmm. you know, to get a better understanding of who they are because at the end of the day, we're all in this world together. You know, so but with that being said, Josh Warrington is nothing but a bar fighter. He don't have he don't have a, a real punching power or nothing like that. He just wanted to come and just throw a lot of punches. I would beat Josh Watson ass. That's the reason why Shakur Stevenson, when he was when he was in my weight division, he didn't try to come and get the most prestigious title. The most prestigious title is the WBC. He was picking on Josh Watson. He was picking on y'all guy. He was picking on Josh Watson because he knew that Josh Warrington didn't really have the skill set. He's, he's a fighter. I can respect him as a fighter. You mm. know, he has heart. He's, he's going to fight. He has grit, you know, and he's going to give it everything he got. But you need more than that when you get to that real upper echelon, that big dog status. You need more than that. That's the reason why, of Stevenson was, there, was calling him out instead of me.
4: So where are you then at at Featherweight? Because you've mocked it. You've just said, and and it's no secret, five years, man. You've defended that belt for five years, okay?
2: That's right, and nobody who's had any other title. The WBC is the most prestigious.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Within the last five years, every other sanctioned body, the, the other major sanctioned body, the WBO, WBA, and the IBF, not, none of the champions won in no parts of Mr. Gary Russell Jr.
4: So are you done at Featherweight? Do we have to go to super feather? Do we have to go to Light? Do we have to go to Welter, you know? These things have to happen now.
2: To be honest with you, I want—I I definitely want to fight these guys. I want—I want, I want Terrence Crawford. I want Terrence Crawford. In the meantime, between time, I still have my title at 26. I still got my title at 26. I ain't relinquished really, my. I can move already. Already took care of my mandatory with King Tut. Already took care—he out the way. Yep. So I got me. Play, I got some play time. And right now, and I want to play with Terence Crawford. But if you got if it, you got
4: put it. the muscle on to go to one forty seven, getting back to one twenty six is going to be tough, G, isn't it? You know, come on, let's be honest. Nah. <laughs> nah. So you're going to float between one forty seven and one twenty six, and mop it all up.
2: No, no. I would honestly, I would I would like to just move up to one forty seven just for yeah. that one particular fight, just for that one particular fight with Terence Crawford. And then I, I'll, I'll go down, I'll move down to 35. Now, I want to be at 30.
4: Now, now you've got me giddy, right? Because 135, you look at those names Leo Santa Cruz,
2: everybody that you're going to mention, everybody that you're going to mention, I want them.
4: Javonta, <laughs> I mean, you and Javonta would be amazing. Leo Santa Cruz is a fact we been
2: all trying want. He's been dancing around me, man, like he will dance to the stars or something. He's been. <laughs> he, I don't know. <laughs> he been dancing around me like I don't know. But he turned into a monster with Tevin Farmer and everybody else. I don't get it. These guys pick and choose who they want to fight. I'm a real fighter. I fight anybody that that that, that say they want to fight. I'm a real fighter. You know, a lot of these guys, they they got a little talent and they got a little ability. I'm gonna tell you the difference between me and a lot of guys. They even got into boxing because they just seen it and they liked it. Or maybe they got beat up before and they don't want to know how to defend themselves, you know, or maybe when they was a child, they just needed a little extra confidence booster. So maybe their parents put them into, their parents seen that they needed a little confidence boost, so they put them in the boxing and they probably gained a little bit of ability and talent and now they actually good at it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know what I'm saying? It was different in my behavior with me I was just aggressive I was just aggressive my parents they needed to put me in some in some type of contact sport they need to put me in karate or football or something that I could just, I, I can let out my aggression Boxing was the perfect outlet for me. I actually I would love to do UFC. I love to do UFC that's something that I would love to do I'm that type of individual. I'm a, I'm a real competitor.
4: From from your history, because I know about your boxing history. Have you studied any other mixed martial arts, karate? You just mentioned there wrestling. Have you got any background there?
2: No, no, yeah, yeah. I did some, I did some Greco-Roman. I did uh, a little bit of stuff. Um, it's a guy around our way uh, named Lloyd Irving, mm-hmm. and and I he got a gym, he got a gym, and I I know him through a good friend of mine, and he does a lot of wrestling, and they want. I was so good. A lot of the guys that's in UFC or some of the guys that's in UFC and stuff like that, they come to our gym and yeah. we work with them. Are
4: you co- good friends with Cody Garbrandt? Is that right?
2: That's, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, right. that's right. You know, so we work with them on their stand-up. And a lot of times when I wanted to do it, they was like, man, you're so good. You just got to learn how to just defend from getting taken down and yeah. learn how to get back up. I'm like, damn, that! I want to know how to grab somebody. I wanna know how to grab them and ball <laughs> their ass up. I wanna know how to grab them and ball their ass up. Show me how to do that. I don't want Show to. Show me how, how to, to chalk
4: somebody out. That's what you wanna do. <laughs> <laughs> Show me Push. how to
2: do
4: that. <laughs> you're being serious as well, aren't you? You fancy a go at mixed martial arts, you fancy getting involved in the UFC. I can see on your face that you're being serious, you're not winding oh, me up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. oh
2: yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah,
0: oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm serious. I'm a
2: competitor. I love I love, I love, I love combat sports. I love it. It, take a, it takes a certain a certain type of zeitgeist to even participate in these sports. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I love it.
4: Back onto boxing for a minute, because I'll come back to that UFC thing in a minute, mate. But when I speak to fans about you, they never obviously question the talent because the talent is there. Everybody knows how good you are. One of the things that always comes back is inactivity. We only get to see you once a year, Gary. What's the story behind that?
2: The story behind that is one: a lot of the guys that's a, that's boxing isn't like you like you said. Everyone understands the talent. Boxing isn't about talent anymore. Mm. This turned into a popularity contest. You know, talent talent don't just sell anymore. It's a popularity contest, and I fight once a year because of sport. Me, my me, my personal opinion, being a participating in the sport and also being a fan of the sport before I was able to participate in the sport, you know, I feel like it's getting watered down. The sport is getting weak. It's getting watered down. The best are not fighting the best. You have people, you have people that's picking and choosing who they want to fight. They're avoiding people. they letting people become franchise champions. So they are exempt from 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 mandatory challenges like what the fuck that don't even make sense we fighters Hmm. we supposed to fight like let's let us fight like I'm not understanding this like maybe y'all should be in a different sport or something. So I fight once i fight once a year because none of the other champions want to is attempt to unify. Um none of the guys is that what it is
4: it's level of competition because we know how good you are we know what level you are at. So it's no, a level it's of competition lot, thing.
2: Yeah, a lot of these guys aren't willing to get in the ring and fight me. All the guys that you named from 126 to 135, none of them guys is in the rush to get in the ring with Mr. Gary Russell Jones. Hmm. You got to pull the teeth to get these guys to get in the ring, but they're supposed to be the best. Javante Tank Davis said he's the he's the king of 126, the king of 130, and the king of 135. How could you possibly be the king? You never fought me. You you for you danced around everybody else, but you ain't never fight me. But I'm the longest reigning champion though. And you never at least at least I when I got my title I I got my title from taking it from the champion. Yeah. These guys get they get vacant titles. These guys they fight for they ain't never be the champion for the for the belt or nothing like these you know. So I I stick to fighting my mandatory challenges to the fans. Who don't know what that is i'm not the number one in the weight division i'm the champion so i cannot be the number one hmm. the mandatory challengers are the number one these are the people who work their way up the rankings they beat everybody whoever they need to beat, to in order to challenge the champion so basically the people that i've been fighting are the next best guys to the champion you know so and even those guys my mandatory challenges they they are Better skilled and and better poised and seasoned as fighters than than all the opponents that Leo Santa Cruz has fought, then a Javante Tank Davis has fought, you know, than a Terrence Crawford has fought.
4: You see, this year, we got I I got really I got really excited this this year, right? Because you normally fight in May. So when I saw you fighting in February, I was thinking, We're going to see some fights, man. This guy's chasing. He's chasing them all down. And then this crazy pandemic come and kind of threw everything out the window, man, you know? When do you want to be out next? I mean, you chase it. Listen, you've just said, Terrence, we're talking. You're on social media. You're being active about it. The world's talking about this right now. So when do you want to make this happen? Do you want to make this happen behind closed doors? Do you want to make this happen when fans are back? When do you want to make this happen? I want
2: to make it happen as soon as possible. I want to get it in before the year is out. Why not? He don't got nobody on his resume other than a a a thirty-five-year-old gambler after a two-year layoff. He don't got nobody on his resume. What are you gonna say, Josh Horn? You gonna try to give him him? You can't even really give him that for real, for real, realistic. And that's no disrespect to him, you know. But like, he's not really a, a upper echelon fighter. I mean, you had people calling him bums before he even fought turns. So like, come on, man! Like, let's let's make this make some sense. I'm one of those guys that got a little bit of common sense, you know. So it do it only makes sense. Turns don't have a fight. He don't got nobody to fight. He has no one on his resume. What does make sense? If now if he was going to fight a Keith Thurman or a Sean Porter, then I can understand. But if he ain't fighting none of them and he's about to go and try to fight a a whole a whole bum. Somebody that, that really don't belong in the ring, don't nobody wanna see that. Don't try to water down the sport. It's better for you to just go ahead and fight Mr. Gary Russell Jr. Man. People already think, people think you're gonna beat me anyway. They think they think it's an impossible, possible fate that I'm attempting, which really isn't that impossible when you're Mr. Gary Russell Jr. Because if you was to take a person that don't know boxing at all and let them watch a tape of Terrence Crawford and then let them watch the tape of a Mr. Gary Russell Jr., they'll tell you that I'm a better fighter than the Turns Profit.
4: Man, you were, do you know something? In 20 minutes of his talking, you have got me pumped for a fight that I didn't think I was interested in. <laughs> you are, you have got me vexed up, man. I am ready to go.
2: I'm ready. <laughs> I'm telling you. And look, if the fight, and if the fight doesn't happen, the only reason it's not happening is because he don't, they don't got no nuts over there. Get,
4: get. Get down!
1: There's gold and black gloves with blurring hands me Some people believe that uh, Pauva the quickest in the world. And Gary Russell Jr. putting the pressure. And that's, that's it. That fight is over. And Martinez is being made to look like a very basic fighter, and he's not. He's better than that. Now counter left hand, and there's a right hook that
0: drops Gonzalez. He is stopped for the first time in his career. Achievement
4: for Gary, Washer, First of all, we always talk about inactivity with him, don't we? Yes. You fight once a year, takes his mandatory out the way and then goes on holiday for the rest of the year. Every time he turns up, he shows us something sensational. Yeah, he came up short against Vasil Lomachenko. He addressed that in the conversation that uh, I've just had with him. Uh, but we need to see more from him, especially when he talks like that as well. We're always criticising fighters for not rocking microphones. Jeez, man, I couldn't shut him up. He was absolutely sensational uh-huh. then, wasn't he? And he's talking
5: about jumping up four weight divisions. So I thought he was brilliant. And just like when he fights, he is brilliant. Once a year, he pops up to remind us all he's probably the best featherweight on the planet. Yeah. But then he disappears for the other <laughs> for the rest of the year. Yeah. You know, you, you highlighted a term Then He's been world champion for five years. He's had five fights. Yeah. He's he's literally fought once a year, defended his world title, and then he absolutely disappears off the radar. He's got to be more active. He's got to get. You know, it, it sounds like to me with the Terence Crawford thing. You know, as outlandish as it is, moving up four weight divisions and everything else. He's just desperate to join in yeah. the, the top of the tree party. Well, part of the key to that is to be more active. If you defended your title two or three times a year, we'd all be getting excited about Gary Russell Jr. And we'd probably be talking about Alomachenko's second fight and everything else. But the guy literally raises his head above the parapet once a year to defend that belt. And he's just not active enough, which is a shame. Mm. Because when he's in the ring, he's magnificent.
4: He's, he's To his credit, over the last 18 months, I mean, I've seen a lot on social media of him trying to chase down Leo Santa Cruz. That is a super fight. Leo Santa Cruz and him would have been a super fight. But now we know that Santa Cruz is fighting at super featherweight against Juventus Davis in that weird fight where there's two belts from different weight categories on the line at the same time. Lightweight and super feather. It's mad. It's absolutely crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Santa Cruz is still the featherweight WBA champion. So it would have been a wonderful unification. That's not materialized. So that's maybe where we're at right now with Gary. Shouting. And trying to make as much noise as possible. Now, we've had Josh Warrington on this show in the past. Yep. He says that he's shouting for these big fights. He wants the big knocks against Leo Santa Cruz and all this type of carry on. I Listen, I know it's a crazy time right now, and it's probably not the right time to do it, because Josh would take a ton of fans to America. Yes. You could do Madison Square Garden, the main arena there, for Gary Russell That's Jr., gone. Josh Warrington, main event, let's rock and roll. That's a fight. Josh Warrington would take that fight, and his fans would be well up for it as 100%. well. 100%. That's a fight to make. 100%. Rather than talking about jumping up four weight categories against Terence Crawford. Even though, when I started that conversation with him, I was dead against that fight, and then he's convinced me in a 20-minute conversation that (laughs) I, I actually want to see it. Yeah, it's madness. But I'd much rather see a competitive unification clash at featherweight, because I think they both deserve it. Josh wants it, and he deserves it. I think he's earned the right for that. And Gary Russell Jr., we know how talented he is. We just need to see more of it. Yeah, and I think, listen... Josh Josh
5: is a big star here. He's got a huge following here. He's a stadium fighter because of that following he's got from Leeds. But outside of the UK, he's not a name. He's the danger. Yeah. He's a danger man because he... He comes, he throws everything at you, you know, he's fit as a fiddle, he's technically a lot better than people give him credit for. We've seen that against Carl Frampton, mm-hmm. and what we're discovering now is he has got a dig as well. Early on, we questioned whether he had any power at all, and then he starts putting people away, and suddenly the, the, the fear factor starts running through people. And he, was, he was so quick there just to brush off Josh Warrington and focus on Shakir Stevenson, because Shakir Stevenson's a much bigger name in the U.S., and he was his focus was well, and that's why Shakur Stevenson was, you know, wouldn't entertain it, and he wanted to call Warrington out instead of fighting me. I'm the guy, and he he. he, uh, he. You could tell by his voice that Gary Russell Jr. has got no interest whatsoever in fighting Josh Warrington. Now, we both sat with Josh and talked to Josh and spoke to him, and he's gone, I will go to New York. I will fight wherever they want me to fight. I will go, whether it's Shakur Stevenson, Gary Russell Jr., you know, the the Chinese lad. It doesn't matter. I'll I'll go. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I just want to unify these belts in this featherweight division to prove I'm the best. So we know for a fact that that he would 100% take any of those fights. Gary Russell Jr., in calling out... Terence Crawford and mention Shaka Stevenson's name. He's just looking at the bottom line. How can he get in a pay per view fight in the US? Not with fighting a Josh Warrington, unfortunately.
4: Too mm. much risk. Do you want to see him against Terence Crawford? I do now.
5: <laughs> when the story broke last week, yeah. I, I thought it was nonsense. And then you'd spoken to me and said, I've just done the inter- I've done an interview with Gary Russell Jr. and wait until you hear what he says. He'll convince you. And I was thinking, there's no chance. Mm. But having just listened to that, I absolutely want to see it now. definitely. It, in reality,
4: when, when, when the dust settles and we've had a sleep and, and we come back to our senses, let's be honest. Because there's other chats for Terence Crawford with the likes of Keith Thurman. Keith Thurman's got mouthy as well this week uh, about the Terence uh, Crawford thing. That's the type of name that I want to see Terence Crawford in there. The whole point, and this is no disrespect to Gary Russell Jr., because I love it. I'm, listen, I'm on board. Whenever yeah, he yeah. fights now, I'm on board that terrain, trust me. I Next mean, year. I'm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm in. But hopefully it's featherweights and super featherweights that we're talking about. The whole point of Terence Crawford going to welterweight for me, after he mopped up at 140 and became the undisputed champion, was taking himself out of a comfort zone yes. and challenging himself against the bigger guys. Mm-hmm. There's no challenge for him to take on... Gary Russell Jr., even though the skill set is outstanding from Gary, he's a lot smaller. So I want to see Terence Crawford and his skill set and his brilliant switch hitting against big dudes. And Keith Thurman, former world champion, big dude, Mm -hmm. that's the fight to make for me.
5: Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, it's, It, it's a lose-lose situation if you're Terence Crawford. Why would Terence Crawford want to fight Gary Russell Jr., who's jumping up four weight divisions? Exactly. You know, it, okay, it's a bit of a spectacle, but it's a lose-lose. If he if he doesn't get him out of there in sensational fashion, people are going to question how good Terence Crawford actually is. So, and you're right, you know, Crawford's done exactly what Lomachenko done. Lomachenko's not a lightweight. Lomachenko probably doesn't, cut weights at all to make the lightweight division Mm. but he's moved up to the lightweight division purely to test himself purely to add another weight division world title belt and you know what i think terence crawford if anything he would love to mop up at welter and i think there's a potential to see him even go up to like middle to super welterweight just to end his career put it you know put that final cherry on the cake Mm. and and go down as one of the all-time greats certainly of this of this era but gary russell jr is makes no sense for terence crawford whatsoever but guess what Gary Russell Jr. has been getting headlines all over the world. He's got on TalkSport tonight purely and simply because he made that shout. And we are champions yeah. of fighters who rock the microphone and make their careers happen.
4: Sensible then, away from welterweight, Gary Russell Jr. You look around featherweight, Josh Warrington's a great fight. If yeah. we can make that fight, but we're living in these crazy times. So you, you might have to then look at PBC fighters. They're the, that's the same stable that Gary Russell Jr. is involved in. And you look a little bit further up that pecking order. The winner of Leo Santa Cruz and Javante Davis at the weight category above. Yes. Now, that that, that's the fight, isn't it? Tank Davis and Gary Russell is an absolute banger of a fight. And obviously, I'm edging towards Tank coming through, first of all, making weight. Yeah. <laughs> and then, obviously, coming through the fight with Leo Santa Cruz. Absolutely.
5: You know, there's, there's the exact fight right there, ready to be made. Shakira Stevenson's talking about moving up to super featherweight as well. So, you know, there's a, there's, that fight has certainly not gone anywhere either. But... Again, we just come back to the same thing with Gary Russell Jr. He's just got to get more active. It's all good and well talking about these fights, talking about moving up weight divisions, you know, talking about uh, campaigning previously for Leo Santa Cruz and it not happening. There's a reason why it's not happening. You're not putting yourself out there enough. You're not fighting enough. Um, but they are, they're all great fights, and they're all defining fights for Gary Russell Jr. in his career.
4: Told you what a geezer he is. Sensational. He means it as well that he fancies the fight with Terence Crawford. Anyway, I personally hope that he gets one of those big unifications at featherweight or maybe even the winner of Leo Santa Cruz and Javonta Davis. Uh, Now also in action at the weekend was Isaac Chamberlain. We've documented his story over the last 18 months to two years. It's been a long road back for this young man and he managed to get himself a fantastic stoppage win on Saturday night. And immediately after that fight, he caught up with us here on Talksport.
3: It's a a bit of relief, you know. Um, I worked hard to get to this point, you know. Uh, There was a lot of work behind the scenes and it's just my resilience, you know. I think that's a lesson that could be taught here, you know. In life, you know, you never give up, you never give in. You just keep pushing, you keep pushing no matter what. And eventually, the time will come where you can show your skills. You know, it's been a long, long road. But, you know, I'm so, so grateful, you know, for Make Tennessee, for Channel 5, for everybody. It's like a family. And um, I wanted to perform. And and be the best that I can be for them and for
4: myself. You you mentioned a couple of people that have supported you along the way, but let's be honest, here, Isaac. This has come down to you. This is down to your uh, mental strength over the last Thank eighteen you. months to Thank two you years so to get Thank to get you. You to this point. Listen, man, it's it's the truth. I want you to just try and shed a little bit of light, just for for our audience of of, yeah. of how dark the last eighteen months to two years has been, because. Let's let's take people back to the Okoli fight. It was built up that big, big night at the O2 Arena, and it didn't go your way that night. And you came into a lot of criticism, and therefore that journey from then to where you are right at this moment in time has been been absolutely madness.
3: Yeah, it's been very character building, you know. Um, uh, Of of course the Okoli fight, you know, it was a very scrappy affair. You know, there was overtraining and all of that. wasn't my best. Then after. You know, family stealing from you, from your fight person and stuff, which which is someone I thought I trusted, and then you know coming back into the ring when I fought in Watkins thinking there's gonna be it's gonna be um you know my shows the show's gonna be rolling again. So they've been inactive over some contractual issues, you know. So you know it was very hard. I went to America yeah. to try and learn from the best in Miami, sparring lots of world champions and world title contenders. To really get away, I sacrificed Christmas, New Year's, and my birthday. Training out there, five thousand miles away from home, away from everybody. You know, I used to. I remember on Christmas Day, I'm seeing everyone opening presents and eating nice food, and I'm just here by myself. And it was, it was like it was kind of hurtful. Not like really, like ups- it was kind of upsetting. You know, knowing that. But I knew this, my time will come. You know, all of this is not in vain. And um, I just said, trust the process. You know, can you be committed to the process? without being emotionally attached to the results. But if you don't get what you want, are you still going to be a hard worker? Are you still going to be a grafter? And that's what I've stuck with a whole long, a a long time, you know, that can you be committed to the process? Can you still keep going? Can you still be that same relentless hard worker if things don't go your way, you know? And that's just what I want to be, you know? And the same way goes in being an athlete, the same way goes to even being a normal person or... A normal person doing a normal job, you know the way you perform and the way you train it should be the same. You should set that standard the same way. <laughs> it's all right, mate, you be, carry on. <laughs> you can't be a terrible, a great athlete but a terrible father, for example. You yeah. have to bring the, both of them together. You know, you have to bring both of them together. You have to. There should be a way you do something. You know, and that's that's just the way I've been approaching everything. I've been approaching everything with complete discipline, with determination. And I'm just attacking my goals, and you know. The
4: impressive thing, if I if I may say, it, Isaac, the impressive thing for, because you're a young guy, it's a lot. It, we see a lot of young people, not just in professional sports, but we see a lot of young people looking for excuses elsewhere. And you could quite yeah. easily, quite easily, with everything that's gone on in your life to this point, yeah. have pointed blame elsewhere, right? Yeah. But you yeah. didn't do that. You took responsibility for your own journey, like you said. You sticks, went to America trained
3: train with you some know, absolute think, dogs. Know, I think excuses are though. I think excuses are just weaknesses. That's you listen. Know, it's, it's, it's a great attitude excuses to have. Are just weaknesses, you know. There's like there's always an excuse to do, to not do everything in your life. You know that's just an excuse. You just get up, you keep doing, you keep going, you keep going because the time will pass. There's not one day that I don't think about living my life here. And having one sort of one form of regret. I don't want to have no regrets in my life. I want to use everything that God has given me, mm-hmm. you know. And I and I try and I try and I try every day, you know, to 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 be the best that I could be. It's not easy. I didn't get down this road that easy because, you know, I've I've done a lot of growing since that. I've five people that I thought were going to be in my corner. They left me, and you know, it was it was like I had to pick myself up from the ground. You know, but yeah, I'm so glad that I do it and it takes a lot of mental strength, you know. Even every anyone out there that's going through things, you know, it's okay to talk, it's okay to really dig yourself up from the ground because you can do it. Anyone can do it. If I can do it, anyone can do it. You just have to have the right mental strength. You just have to keep pushing, you have to keep pushing, take one day at a time. That's what I was doing. You know, I was taking one day at a time. You know what? I'm gonna conquer Monday, then I'm gonna take care of Tuesday, then I'm gonna destroy Wednesday. And that's that's my mentality. And it just adds up. It adds up and up and it keeps counting. And then you realise you've done 365 days of consistent hard work and you're beating everyone that's not doing anything at the moment. You know? That's a good
4: point, man. That's yeah. a great point. On the performance tonight, uh, Nick's on the show with me and he loves a body shot, mate. He loves a body shot finish. I think uh, he's, <laughs> he's going to have that as his viral content on his Instagram, no doubt later right, on, man. mate. Absolutely. <laughs> thank is thank it more so satisfying
3: much. landing and sinking in the body shots than it is than landing on the whiskers? Um, it's something that I've been practicing a whole lot. Body shots, I've been practicing body shots a whole lot. Um, I think, you know, with the chin, with the shot to the chin, you can kind of recover from that. But body shots, they last. Yeah. Fourth round, yeah. fifth round, sixth round, you just keep sticking that in. It takes, it takes an effect. And, um, I've been dropping guys to the body all the time and sparring. I've been practicing it a whole lot. I've been working really hard on, on, on great, watching great body punches, you know, and, um, just, how can I say it? Just, uh, Stealing people's souls, exactly. Isaac. That's what you've been doing. That's you've been stealing people's goes. souls. Yeah. Yeah. That, do, you know that, do you know what? That's funny the thing that you said. That's that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, with a chin shot, you can kind of, you know, you come back, you're wobbling, but with a body shot, it really makes you think, do I really want to carry on doing this? <laughs> you know, so it's, it's good. It's, good. it's like It's like a psychological effect as well. Well,
4: hopefully, mate, this is now the catalyst. I know you've got a great relationship there with Mick Hennessy. Let's get you out yes. let's get you active and let's get you see doing I'm your not thing. To clear again. Mate, you don't See, doesn't even need a shower, the lad. Doesn't need a shower, just get him straight back in the ring, he's ready to go again. I
3: love it,
4: man. <laughs> so there you have it hopefully you've enjoyed the podcast if it's the first time you've ever come across us make sure you hit subscribe iTunes is where we're at on a week by week basis or you've got to look out for his Fight Night by TalkSport and you can get Android feeds on our website TalkSport.com please tune in to the main station throughout the course of the week and TalkSport too because I am sure there is plenty of fallout from that sensational upset knockout victory of Alexander Povetkin on Dillian White knocking him out in the fifth round and throwing the heavyweight division into utter turmoil. He is now Tyson Fury slash De- uh, Deontay Wilder's mandatory challenger for that WBC belt. Unbelievable scenes. That is why we love fight sports. Nothing's predictable and it only takes one punch to change your whole career. Thank you very much for listening to us. Don't forget, we're back on the radio next Saturday night, but if you can't join us there, we're always here in the podcast, so make sure you
0: subscribe. We'll catch you next time.